Welcome to another episode with the Market Dominance Guys, a program about the innovators, idealists, and the entrepreneurs who thrive and die in the high-stakes world of building a startup company. We explore in the cookbooks, guidebooks, and magic beans needed to grow your business. of Market Dominance Guys with Chris Beal and Corey Frank. Today, our guys continue exchanging ideas with Gregory Smith, Vice President of Strategic Accounts and Partnerships at Sparks IQ. In this third part of their discussion, they talk about the view from a CEO's desk. Chris, who is himself a CEO, thinks that most chief executive officers' view of their company is often skewed by the remove at which they look at its operations. As he puts it, they tend to be either stuck in the mud or full of fantasy. Greg and Chris then reveal that they both are true believers in C-level staff getting out on the front line and experiencing the jobs their employees do. If you want to be an effective CEO or even a VP or SVP, Greg advises, you've got to get out in the field and experience it, feel it, understand it. He encourages all CEOs to spend the day with one staff member in each division of their business once a year. Chris agrees with this plan. When you do that, he says, you grow in respect for your people who are on the front lines. You see, what they do is brilliant. Get the details on how to dominate your market by spending time with the talented people you've hired. In today's Market Dominance Guys episode, Stuck in the Mud or Full of Fantasy? I believe actually selling, not swooping, but selling regular deals and going through your own process and finding out how much friction you put in front of your sellers is worth yeah. doing. And it's worth doing regularly. It actually keeps you in touch with the problems you're really solving. And your job as a CEO includes detecting the tsunami when it's an inch high. All tsunamis are an inch high at some point. They're way out there in the ocean. And if you wait till it's a 30 foot high basin emptying wall of water that takes out nuclear power plants and houses and whatever. I'm only bringing this up because we just talked about earthquake preparedness for our, our home up in Port Townsend yesterday, but you're too late. You can cross that and figure out what to do with that one inch high tsunami when it's going to hit 15 months from now, but you're never going to see it unless you're out in the front lines. So that's where all the information is. Very little good recent information shows up in recent reports. Great longitudinal information shows up in that five years of P&Ls. But if you want to know what's going on, Edward Abbey said it really well a long time ago. You want to be a good driver? Strap yourself to the bumper. Your, your driving habits will change instantly. Right? So that's one. Two is go out when the implementation of, of your solution is going on and be part of the implementation team. Find out how much friction there is there in the real world, because now it might not be your company providing the friction. It could be that you're saying, oh, yeah, nobody does this. This is where you're sure you're wrong. As soon as you're sitting around with each other and you go, well, none of our customers do that. Whatever that is, that's what they're all doing. And that's what they hate about what it is that you're doing. So you're not going to find it unless you go out there. Finish line floors, when I CEO of finish line floors, 
the key to understanding the business was to go out and we generally started doing our work at about 10 o'clock at night in hospitals and to go out and roll a floor. You don't have to do it every day, but once a month to get out there and roll a floor in a fast moving business. This was a 30% per month compounding business. So it was like a rocket sled, right? You were just like back at it. And yet it had trucks and cities that we were expanding. It's kind of a nutty thing to do to try to grow a business like that that fast. I'm pretty sure it was a bad idea given the way it ended. But the key information flow was from being out there and not being the boss. So when you do that, you have to assign yourself to a reasonably worky kind of job, right? And find out how damn clueless you are and how smart they are. The other thing I think you get is you get respect in yourself, your own self. You get respect for your people. You grow in respect for your people. You realize that what they do is brilliant. Mm -hmm. That the brains of the outfit are actually out on the front lines. That's where they really live. All the yapping is back in the office. But the brains are out there on the front lines because brains were made to move bodies through the world. We're animals. We have brains. Plants don't seem to have very much in the way of brains. Animals have brains and animals have something in common. We all move. That's what brains are for, is to move our bodies through the world. And when we're out there with the people who are making it happen, moving the body through the world, so to speak, in it with purpose, we learn. We learn quite quickly. And frankly, involuntarily. And the third thing about this is CEOs have very little fundamental credibility back in the shop. That is, if you want to dismiss somebody's opinion, the first opinion to dismiss is that of the CEO. Because the CEO is either stuck in the mud or full of fantasy. Everybody knows it. It's just the way they are. And there's only two kinds, the stuck in the mud type and the full of fantasy type. Except for, of course, the psychopathic asshole type was, uh, you know, occasionally seen in Silicon Valley here and there with certain kinds of vehicles and occasional sailboats. So this is important to recognize you don't actually have that much capital when you're the CEO. You have diminished capital compared to a VP of ops or a VP of sales. So how do you actually have enough credibility to have some thought of yours hope to turn into organizational change in action? Well, you got to go get it somewhere, and the only place it exists is in the front line. So you better go get it there. I agree. <clears throat> it reminds me of a, a funny story that actually happened two days ago. I'll leave some of the details out because I don't want anybody to be offended. But I was on a call with a client. The CEO was there. The CFO was there, VP of Ops, and some IT folks, and, and a couple of marketing maybe were in the room. And so we're having this conversation about what's going on in their business. And the CEO is spending, he's sucking up most of the air in the room, I have to admit, <clears throat> right? So he was probably 80% of the conversation he was controlling. And I was watching the was in Zoom. So I'm watching the body language of the folks around the room. And I can tell like this guy's got very little credibility, right? And the CEO and the CFO probably has, from what I could see, may have even less credibility. Um, and, uh, so, but they ended up having to leave the room. And then what happened was because I was recording the call, they asked me to stop recording the call and, and so that they could actually share the reality of the marketplace, the reality of their business. 
right? So I think it just drives home your point, Chris, right? There's always that disconnect. And if you want to be an effective CEO or even a VP or SVP, you've got to get out in the field and experience it, feel it, understand it. And frankly, some of the best ideas come from your frontline people. They're the ones that have the interaction day in and day out with your customers. Every time we had a problem or a customer wanted us to provide a solution, it wasn't the VPs or me or anybody else that was coming up with it. We created an action force and it would change based on the need, right? Whether it was sales driven or delivery driven or, or, or supply chain driven, whatever the case is, the people would kind of change, but it was always made up of director levels and others, meaning drivers, counter people, whatever. And we'd figure out how everybody could participate. I tasked them with coming up with a solution. And then they would report out to senior management about what the solution is. Give me three options. It's amazing what they come up with. It really is. It was awesome. Fantastic. We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Connect and Sell, welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Give your fingers a rest with Connect and Sell's patented technology. You'll load your best sales folks up with eight to 10 times more live qualified conversations every single day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing how many tears were shed while watching Titanic kind of qualified. And we're back with Corey and Chris. Fantastic. And informed. It's a shocking fact that those of us who run businesses are fundamentally in a bad position to understand what will make the business work today. We just are. It's a bad seat to sit in. It's as though you're trying to drive one of them big, big, it doesn't matter how big it is. You're driving a boat, right? You're out there on the water and your view forward is limited by, guess what? The boat, it's limited by the boat, but that hand who's up there taking care of the jib, I can see what's going on, right? And somebody who's down below making sure that uh, we're gonna have dinner, they can see what's going on. There's a lot of folks who can see what's going on, but you're in a particularly bad position to do so. I remember once, I don't know if I ever told this story on the podcast, but I used to work for a food distributor and I was a truck loader, that was my job. And I crushed my finger in a truck door, this finger right here, it has a nice little curve to it. And I got six beautiful little hemostat stitches across the nail bed where the nail was no longer there and the artery was no longer in one piece. And I wanted to go back to work the next day. And they said, well, you can't load, obviously, you know, you're sort of like, you got an issue, but we'll put you on the forklift. The forklift is on the floor but it's up a little bit because you stand, it's a standing forklift. And from the standing forklift, I could see what management couldn't see, which was the flow of the floor. And I thought, this is really weird. This place works great through one cycle through the four trucks. But as soon as we get to the fifth truck, it's chaos, it's craziness. Folks are cutting tuggers through each other. They're cursing at each other. It's not good. So I thought about it and I watched it from my perch. And that's the perch that management won't ever take, the one where you can actually see because you're working in the environment, but you got your head up instead of down. 
And I came up with a little idea. I just got lucky. And I play as a mathematician at the time. So I was lucky through some work and went and did the queuing theory on this thing and came up with a solution. The solution, by the way, I think you'll laugh, Greg, as a guy that knows this business. So not food, but you know distribution, right? So imagine this. It's a mess, but only after we've loaded all the trucks once. So my idea was, well, some people are picking the freezer and some people are picking the deli dry combo. And those two things create a flow mismatch at some point that has to cut across each other. So how about if we all go pick the freezer and then we all go pick deli dry? So I go to the boss and I go, Rob, how about if we all go pick the freezer and then we all go pick deli dry? Then I drew him a picture, you know, I had it all, well, not quite PowerPoint, but there it was. And then the queues will always form up behind the trucks just like this. And what we'll do is we'll take the entry point to come up to the truck and we'll move it back behind these racks. So there's laminar flow and no interference. It's always, you go down the aisle where the truck is and the only interference is somebody picking that aisle and there's enough room for two tuggers, you just go buy them. And he said, hmm, sounds, sounds good, sounds good. Can't do it. I said, why not? Now remember, I'm the junior guy with the crushed finger who's dumb enough to put his finger in the truck door, close it and get it latched with his finger still in there, right? Not optimum. So I'm not exactly the guy carrying the credibility, but I'm carrying the credibility of being the guy in the forklift watching and I'm willing to put it forward. It's like, why? Why not? He says, well, they get 15 cents a more, more an hour in the freezer. It's freezer pay. Intractable problem, right? You can't pay everybody 15 cents an hour more. It's totally intractable. So I thought about it. I said, let me think about that for a little while. So I came back to him the next day and I said, so Rob, how do you pick people to go in the freezer? He says, seniority. I said, how about if we call it seniority pay? And that allowed us to do it. Mm. And we saved $325,000 in overtime in one year. Wow. So that idea that when you're on the front lines, but you have your head up and sure. you can see what's going on, but not from where you can't see what's going on. The CEO seat is not built to see what's going on. Yeah. It's built to tell the world that's what's going on is good. That's what the seat is built for. And then when you learn to tell the world what's good, you start making the mistake of telling your own people that stuff that ain't good is good. And then you're screwed, right? So I think the antidote is pick your ass up and go do those jobs, but don't do the swoopy one. The CEO's favorite job is this. I'll go save the big deal. Really? That's not sales. Yeah. You can ruin more deals. Yeah. Sounds like they could have used your methodology. And learn nothing. In the Suez yeah. Canal, maybe that captain who's driving that big tanker, there, right? <laughs> to listen to the guy that says wait a minute, no, I, wait a minute. yeah Funny. i would have been the guy with the forklift on the deck going forklift can't pick these containers up okay. ah what the hell let's yes, go to right. the bar well gentlemen right. what's what's fascinating about listening to to this here and we're, we're getting the hook on time is clearly kill the monsters when they're small monsters not when they're big monsters right or the tsunami when it's two inches not 60 feet but the way that we look at product market fit the way that we test and get the flywheel going for product in our we should we even build this thing is similar in the latter part of this chat here that we've had to how both of you gentlemen look at, are we hiring the right people? Do we have the right people? Do we have the right processes in place? So the way you look outwardly to test 
and constantly tweak and get that information to adjust is the same way that we need to lead. It sounds like also our people is to constantly get that information. And all I can say is that if anybody in an organization, if I'm part of an organization where we have to say, hey, would you mind not recording this, right? It's never, it's never a good thing, but it absolutely is the type of thing that clearly there's a inherent level of fear or anxiety because my leaders did not put that in place that it's comfortable to come into their office and say, you know, we need to call it seniority pay. We need to get up in the forklift and see what's really going around here. So I learned some incredibly valuable information once that recording went off. I, information that we all need. Oh, I can imagine. Right? Otherwise, I'd be going down the wrong road. I can imagine. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, when companies learn that too late, as Chris and I have talked about many times and we've experienced, is they do the proverbial pivot, right? And then it works its way back up to the CFO and CEO level. And then they figure out, okay, we got a board meeting in six weeks. How do we take what our remaining cash is and try to get this five pound bunch of X into a one pound paper bag here? So that's proverbial pivot. Well, Greg, I tell you what, this has been, as, as Chris and I are apt to do, we can go hours and hours. And I think if we were to give a badge to Greg, Chris, I think it would be, I mean, he, he can probably wear a market dominant shirt. We have a kindred spirit in the distribution and manufacturing space, right, that we didn't know about that clearly as a very conscious competent, you are employing these same market dominance principles outside the SaaS and software world. So it's been a lot of fun. Very kind of you. Love the conversation. Again, like you, I could go on. I just, my only problem is I ran out of tequila a while ago. <laughs> so next time I'll, I'll bring the bottle and put it next to me and we'll be good to go. Duly noted. We'd love to, I think the co- the topic of, of leadership, management, mission, alignment amongst the people and as a maybe something that a lot, a lot of folks are focusing much on, particularly in the distribution manufacturing space, they're looking at what kind of ball bearings do I have and what kind of trucking can I get? And can I shave a few dollars on this or that? Not necessarily the folks like Chris who slam their finger and just be in a role where they can reveal all this much more sunlight. So any final thoughts, Chris? I tell you what, Cheryl Turner is a rock star. Thank yeah. you, Greg. And uh, talk about somebody who delivers from the front lines, not just results, but incredible insights. So she brought us together in, we met before, but this is, you know, she brought us together here and suggested that you be a guest on this podcast. I really deeply appreciate you deciding to do so. I mean, it's one thing to weather me, but to choose to endure Corey Frank, I think is just an amazing act of courage. And, uh, I, I somehow feel like we might do a little bit more together someday. Absolutely. Uh, too, and, and you guys are awesome. And I learned several things today, which I always like to do. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Thank you. Absolutely. And Greg, if we want to get a hold of you on LinkedIn, Greg Smith, right? That's a, that's a pretty unusual name. I'm, I'm sure there's only one or two of those out there. Um, so we're sure to link this to the podcast episode and how to, uh, how to get in touch with you for the folks who would love to climb the mountain and and get some more advice. So for the Market Dominance guys, this is Corey Frank with Chris Beal. Until next time. Today's show is also brought to you by UncommonPro.com. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer or investor is one of the hardest jobs in business. 
So when it's really time to go big, you need an uncommon methodology to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. Through a modern and innovative sales and scripting tool set, we offer a guiding hand to ambitious leaders in their quest to reach market dominance. It's time to get uncommon with UncommonPro.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to MarketDominanceGuys.com and subscribe. Subscribe.